This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 188 here in the den. Nick Max and Noah Grant alongside. Uh, Nick, obviously a very interesting week that culminates in... Uh, quadruple so to speak of huskies wins some a little bit easier than others but uh yeah things looking all right in saint cloud nation both on the ice and regarding the ice actually we're going to touch on that a little bit too um in the in the beginning portion of the show and uh um, quick little reminder for listeners. I guess it's not really a reminder because listeners haven't known about it before but um nick has some travel plans coming up this week and uh um I'm kind of dealing with some travel pieces as well, too, with family. So I think for next week, just coming up with the holiday week and Thanksgiving, as much as we really want to do a show, the schedules just didn't work out for us. And um, so we're going to actually take a week off coming up next week. So we're going to be off uh, the weekend. I believe the women are off anyway, if memory serves correct. Uh, It's just the men's team is playing Michigan that upcoming uh, weekend here. So uh, we're just going to recap both the men's weekend's in the upcoming episode, episode 189. And of course the women will, will be on schedule as usual. So just kind of wanted to put that out there. We went back and forth about some different ways of how to maybe attempt a show. And I just don't think it makes sense for us to kind of, you know, try to force a show when, you know, only one team plays and things like that. So um, hopefully um, we have some fun things planned otherwise, and a lot to get through, of course, in the next episode, as we do for this one, Nick, uh, we're kind of alluding a little bit to, Uh, our opening topic here, but uh, it does involve a topic we've discussed previously in a bid for St. Cloud to try to work on their refrigeration system at the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center and uh, hopefully some really positive steps. So not only are the hockey teams on the ice making really positive gains, it sounds like off the ice, uh, some more good news for St. Cloud. So without further ado, why don't we jump right into it, Nick? Center ice view news and notes presented by huskiesillustrated.com and the Soda Pot. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. And Noah Grant alongside for episode 188 here in the Den, the Huskies Warming House podcast. And Nick recording this on Sunday night, November 19th. Not sure if we'll have a Monday release like we did last week a little bit earlier. If I if I can get the show process, sometimes I like to, you know, try to be a little bit earlier, but it kind of depends. I'm headed off to work tonight, of course. So uh, and Nick is recovering from a very long week and weekend yeah, as well. Right. Um you know, speaking of long drawn out processes, uh, we covered this uh, a couple months ago where uh, we kind of were able to unfurl some of the the bidding process for St. Cloud to try to maybe get some new refrigeration systems and some upgrades at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Uh, of course, the last real kind of major update for them as far as significant things happened was like early 2010s for, I believe, 2013, if memory serves me correct. 2013, yep, that yeah. was the big um, atrium renovation expansion, the the suites. Um, so basically everything from the ticket booths to all that was part of the big 2013 renovation. So last big thing in terms of 
structural maybe um yeah. all of everything else has been more shall we say fan engagement so you know obviously most recently the scoreboards and the quote-unquote sound system um which still needs shall we say sound treatment but just, um, just one of the one of those buildings i feel like that yeah and then and not to mention the uh the white room too right uh i still remember when that was i mean literally it was like an unfinished basement for the longest time now a very nice training facility so there's been a lot of things that um have changed for the herb over the course of the years but this might be probably the biggest one um at least that you know should happen and you know it's definitely the most pressing as, as we'll talk here in just a moment yeah certainly would agree uh and this is something that uh, you know i don't know if it was unexpected so to speak but we kind of talked about it as rumblings and it was kind of a little bit rumor and hearsay in some senses besides the actual bid that you could get a certain glance at some of the components about but you never really know you know is someone going to pick up that bid is it is it going to progress further than where it's at because i mean realistically I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, I mean, you can kind of create a potential bid for just about anything. The question is, can you find the funding? Can you find the contractors? Can, can you find somebody to complete the job, essentially? Um, right. And and essentially where the Huskies are at is if you're at the step where uh, they have officially gone to the legislature, which is the big topic here, um, to ask for funding, that means they have a bid, right? They They have either narrowed it down to a couple or they have the bid which means they've got a dollar amount um and just a reminder of folks who missed our conversation from a couple of months ago uh the way this works essentially is the school asks for funding and it goes into their general fund right it's not really i mean you you make the case for a specific project but the reality is it doesn't go to the athletic department it goes to the school and their general fund where then they have to allocate the funds um granted from what we know in our conversations with corey porter who is the uh the rink manager at the herbrooks national hockey center is it would uh, essentially mimic what the golfers did which is shrink it to more of a hybrid setup um if i remember correctly 97 96 and a half feet or so width um and then essentially new boards new glass um, would be sort of the things that i remember him talking about as being part of that bid um so at the end of the day they're at the official step where they have gone in front of the minnesota legislature to ask for that funding and now it is up to essentially the state to award them that funding and uh no as we talked about in the past you know this isn't this is different from the golfers in the sense that the golfers you know yeah there were some aging parts but it wasn't to the level of shall we say concern that is with st cloud and the big reason is because of the refrigerant that they use they're still using freon which mind you is now banned in the us it's been been phasing out for the past what 15 or so years uh st cloud made a essentially a bulk buy of this stuff uh quite a while ago um but essentially now they're at the mercy of 30 year old compressing equipment which can only push this sort of refrigerant so at any time this goes um apparently denver had an issue with the rice this last weekend um, but that's sort of the fear right that is the fear from the st cloud state athletics is that if this thing goes without warning we're kind of stuck and i'm not sure if there is i would imagine there is sort of a plan in place but can't imagine that if they had to enact what i would probably deem as their emergency plan if something happened with the herb that it wouldn't be the most ideal situations if they can't attack it in their own timeline yeah, and I can't remember if the, the new sheet or the practice sheet is uh, upon the same refrigeration. It is, yes, because yeah. remember, um, the refrigeration units, if you actually look at the herb from the front to the right side, is all like the mechanical equipment. And that is also part of this uh, of the funding, right, is that they want to actually shrink the practice rate. Mind you, both sheets are now full Olympic ice, um, which is 100 by, right, 100 by 200? Yes. Yep. Um, so that actually would shrink that down to an NHL sheet, um, which is, I, I think, the right thing. Um, and then dig up the refrigeration there, too. So it would have to have um, this renovation done on both sheets. Both would be reduced. The main sheet, the main fan use sheet would be a hybrid. The practice would be an NHL size to give them a little bit more practice on essentially where the Olympic sheets now, Noah, 
there's only a handful left and they're quickly disappearing. Yeah, certainly are. And, you know, the contingency plan is always intriguing. I mean, obviously it would be very unique to see a game in that practice sheet, first of all. So that's why I brought it up. And then on top of that, I mean, you know, in St. Cloud, I mean, not that there aren't other ranks, but really the Mac is the only, you know, acceptable one. And don't forget, you've got, you know, mm-hmm. the St. Cloud Norsemen who have their schedule in place too. And yep. And the Mac is, you know, sorry, not sorry. It's not exactly the most glamorous of options. And I think TV wise, too, you're going to have a lot of potential issues there just because of all the setup and things like that. So I don't know. You wonder if Mariucci is a backup. You you know, and honestly, because like you mentioned, St. Thomas, maybe St. Thomas. I mean, you have to have broadcast capabilities. Now, the one thing that would really suck is looking at this a little bit more of a you know a step back is you know say that the production crew right for husky productions is a great learning tool in fact that's where you know i learned a lot of where you know the ins and outs of the broadcast world is on that live of you know event um you just you learn so much um when you're doing it just as the pros do it and that would be a really really tough thing for that mass communications program specifically husky productions if they had to essentially wipe that clinging is mind you it's all student run um and you kind of wonder what would happen with that too because I, I would imagine you can't make that group travel um you can't really travel with that equipment very well so it's it gets a little bit more yeah. dicey with that too with the broadcast schedule as well yeah and even the travel of bemidji state may be an option if you're thinking about a non-college hockey market thief river falls the little ralph you know i mean that's maybe something to think about too or it you know, it might just simply come down to the fact that if you're playing Omaha that weekend and Baxter Arena is free, you're playing in Omaha. You're not playing right. you know, in St. Cloud. So uh, long story short, I mean, St. Cloud really trying to mitigate this and trying to make sure that they take care of business here. Hopefully nothing like that does happen. But you never really know. Speaking of the Mavs and Denver, yeah. they're under they're underway right now at the time of recording at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things uh in place i think it's a great step um hopefully we hear news sooner rather than later because st cloud really trying to uh take care of business when it comes to these things uh nick moving over to the women's side here though why don't we talk about them first uh Mm -hmm. as far as wcha scores nothing really nationally notable i was kind of trying to take a look to see if anything um stuck out at me the other thing is i think the wcha and the women's side uh, and comparing them to national scores is particularly difficult because, you know, on the men's side, it's a little bit easier sometimes to kind of check out some of the parody. Uh, the great thing about women's hockey, but also the challenging thing, you don't really know that answer sometimes. So tournament time. Right. You really don't. Um, the one thing that we saw this weekend is unbeaten Wisconsin. Now, yeah. no longer, right. They lost twice to Ohio state. Um, but as we'll discuss here in a little bit, one of our teams is, uh, making some headway in terms of uh, being in a position that we thought they could take a crack at it. Granted, it's still mid-November, but they're in a great position, Noah. So uh, what about those Huskies? Yeah, Huskies playing great. Like you mentioned, Ohio State 3-0 in the first night, by the way, and then uh, second night 2-1 in overtime. So Wisconsin still does pull a point in the second night, but it's weird to say that phrase this year, um, that they that they don't garner all available. Friday night uh, and Saturday night, both scores 3-1 in favor of the Gophers over Duluth. Duluth a little bit more prototypical to what we've been accustomed to, the Gophers. Weird ebb and flow. Like I said, they're going to be the, yeah. this X factor team this year that I, I think, you know, could go either direction. If they get hot at the right time, they're going to be tough to beat. But, you know, if they start to slump a little bit, it might be kind of an interesting uh, stretch that they're in. And then actually both teams getting their first victory, a pair of three to two uh, finishes, both of them in overtime. Bemidji State the first night, Mankato the second night, both victories and kind of the same scorecard at the end of the day um for mankato and Bemidji. i thought that was that was a great series you know it's good to see both of those teams kind of push back against each other and some really good hockey but as you mentioned our huskies of course doing battle against st thomas this last week they did not allow a goal this weekend granted they didn't score a lot huskies only get three total on the weekend one nothing on friday two nothing on saturday but you know it all counts the same in regulation so yep uh st cloud uh very much impressive, improving to eleven and four on the season, which is a fantastic start for them. Don't forget, I, I, that twenty win mark is kind of where St. Cloud is shooting for. Is that you know I can't remember. We've talked about this a lot, and it gets kind of hazy. But I mean, eighteen to twenty, the program best is somewhere in that margin. Nineteen, actually, 19, yeah. 
Yeah, they so somewhere in that margin, clearly, <laughs> clearly, yeah. But uh, as you mentioned, right, and and for Adolski, when I talked to him, and we mentioned this before, um, you know, the number sure, but I, you know, he wants an NCAA tournament appearance. He wants to be able to get into a rounded win of the WCHA uh, conference tournament. Um, he's more concerned about that than he is maybe the wins and losses. Obviously, they yeah. kind of go hand in hand. But um, at the end of it, that would be fantastic for the program because if there's one thing that Idolski mentioned was, you know, when you're when you're a team that's sort of rebounding and when you've had some tough times in in years past, right? Sometimes, you know, these little intangibles, you know, take some time for the word to spread a little bit, right? So he goes, if we can put anything on paper that says, hey, we set school records here, we got players that are, you know, having career best there, you know, they mean to other hockey players, whether they're in division one now that may be looking for a change of scenery or two for those who are still in high school, looking for a program that is on the rise. These are all really good trends for the Huskies and can only help them as they keep pushing forward under the Adelski regime. Absolutely would agree. St. Cloud playing on Friday night at St. Thomas out shooting them 39 to 12, a great showing from Califrank, the former Mankato netminder, 38 of 39 for her. That's actually uh, close to a 975 save percentage. So you'll take that any night of the week. I think St. Thomas is also a team. If you want to say the team that's expected to win hockey games, but might be kind of interesting Minnesota and maybe throw Duluth in there a little bit on the women's side. You want to talk about the team that is probably, you know, underpowered as far as what they bring, but can give you fits. I think St. Thomas is that team on the other side in the WCHA. They've certainly given uh, teams a couple of really close games. Sonia Hola, 12 of 12 for her. Uh, the Huskies uh, do not score on their power play opportunities 0 for 3 and Mankato, or excuse me, St. Thomas uh, 0 for 2 on the other side. Wrong purple, apparently. Um, Huskies <laughs> 50, 15 to 2 in the first period. Uh, that was their lone goal scored by Avery Myers, her first of the season, Maddie Peterson tallying an assist at the 1246 mark 16 6 and 8 4 in period number three were the totals in favor of st cloud um you know and you look at as we normally do faceoff wise the huskies again uh 26 for 61 here nick uh, again that's yeah. kind of just the one the one piece that um and, you know and it's really hard to correlate because there are some nights where you are bad in the faceoff dot and you win five nothing and it's not really a factor and there are other nights where it does make a difference but it it seems to me that the games that St. Cloud does not have as much face-off success, it does take them a little bit extra to maybe, you know, try to get things going offensively or maybe tally that extra goal or extra, you know, special teams makes a huge difference when you're trying to establish a power play opportunity, for example. So the Huskies take care of business, one nothing, maybe not the big, you know, spread that they would like. But nonetheless, I mean... St. Cloud does take care of business and uh, against a goaltender who certainly gave them a run for their money. And uh, as you mentioned uh, with Califrang, I mean, she's no stranger to, to uh, WCHA play, right? Uh, and the one thing we have to consider too, Noah, is, you know, this is a very difficult schedule for the women. So week on, a week off, week on, week off. You know, if, if there's one thing, and we've talked about this before, that when a team is playing well, you want to keep playing, right? And for, for St. Cloud, um, again, they get this week off and it's, it's a good thing for Thanksgiving, right? To get some time away. Uh, but they'll be right back in the saddle um, with a really tough schedule, including an upcoming Tuesday matchup for the Gophers on December 5th, I believe. Um, so, I mean, it's going to always come back to them, uh, but I think they handled it pretty well. Now, again, with Idelski, if, if you're going to give one thing or take the other, you'd rather, uh, you know, take the defensive stronghold um, rather than blowing somebody out 6 nothing. So uh, I think the Huskies, although maybe didn't probably find their legs until Night number two, I think Idelski would be happy that they're at least being a strong defensive team, which um, has been kind of the epitome of his tenure so far through about a season and a half or so. Yeah, absolutely. Attendance in this one, this one at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, attendance of 310, by the way. Um, so not not too bad. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting better than what we were early on in the season, which is it's not saying much. Let's just put it that way. So it it needs to still be better. We're still advocates of that. But the Huskies, uh, no stranger to good play in this night. As you mentioned, 34-16 were the shots, 14-2. Um, apparently 15 was a bit too much to ask this time around. So 14-2 <laughs> in the first, 15-4 uh, in the second. And then actually it was St. Thomas, 10-5, kind of giving a little bit of pushback at the end of that one. Um, Avery Myers returned the favor. Maddie Peterson in the middle of the second period 
period, her first of the season exactly uh, with five minutes left to play. Addie Scribner, the secondary assist. And then in period number three, 245 in, Emma Gentry's fifth from Alice Surreal. Um, that's all the Huskies needed. They did not actually have a power play opportunity. Were perfect two for two on the kill for them over the course of the weekend. Jojo Choback saw all 16 she faced. Olivia King also, you know, no stranger to WCHA action. Uh, 32 of 34 for her. So still a very good showing that you'll take any night of the week. Faceoff wise, the Huskies a little bit closer in this one, but 17 for uh 30, let me try to do math here. This is poor. 17 for 40, I believe. Um, so they were minus six in the face-off differential. So uh, you'd like to see that still continue to improve. Other than that, though, I mean, it's a 2 nothing victory, you know, crucial points in the WCHA. And we talked about this, Nick, where, you know, there are some games where we thought St. Cloud last year probably could have won them and just didn't get the right bounces. Now, this is a game where St. Cloud on paper should have won, mm-hmm. but they did you know it wasn't it was maybe a bit closer than they wanted it to be but they got all the points that they needed they now sit fourth in the wcha they actually win the tiebreaker right now against duluth uh probably first one is games played they have one less game played than the bulldogs they are four points shy of minnesota in third they have 22 wisconsin now at 25 so uh, a six point spread from the huskies to second place and then a full 10 points ohio state now up to 28 after a great weekend against the badgers so um they are ohio state is um they are 10 0 and 0 in the wcha and now 11 and 1 overall again we talked about um minus where um i guess duluth and St. Thomas are right now uh, in accordance with Bemidji State. Um, this is actually pretty close to what we reflected. We thought we would see at the end of the season as far as our standings uh, early on in the summer at the Huskies Warming House podcast. But Nick, yep. this team this team improves. They go you know three and zero plus three goal differential on the weekend. You'll take that any time of the week. What do you pull out of a weekend like this where? You played good hockey, still some things to clean up, an opponent that you probably should have taken care of. It wasn't maybe the biggest margin you expected, but we also have seen St. Thomas play teams like the Gophers really close, and they're clearly not a bad hockey team despite being last right now in the WCHA. They just cannot buy a bounce, unfortunately. Um, How does St. Cloud kind of enter their bye week and the holiday break, knowing that they're 11-4 in the season, 6-3 in WCHA play? I mean, I think you're happy, right? I mean, you're in a home ice position in the WCHA, which is really the ultimate goal right now, isn't it? So, you know, when when you step back and you think about the challenge at hand, right, especially through this month, on off, on off, right, that's really tough to keep your rhythm. Um, you can practice all you want. You can certainly take care of your body, nutrition, all that good jazz, but it just doesn't replicate game time feel right and the mentality and the the mental training that goes along with that right so you know i think they handle it pretty well uh, again if, if you're struggling on one area of the ice uh, you have to fall back into something and i think for st cloud um you know having a week off uh certainly would love to have kept playing they could not obviously you don't control the schedule i think they still did what they had to do to get the victories um and again we, we talk about this noah in hockey and well in sports right sometimes you know depending on where you're at and this team is still evolving still you know sort of changing and finding its identity in front of us um when you get weeks off like that you know you really have to uh, essentially just kind of grab hold of what you do best and you know if it wins a win at the end of the day. And I think for the Huskies, you know, they'll take it. Obviously they'd love to improve on some things. Um, Face off is one. We talked about that probably would love to pot a few more goals, but they got two straight shutouts too. So they're still strong defensively. Um, And at the end of the day, they don't ask how they ask how many two straight wins uh, conference points. We'll take that any day. Well, and you talk about what you do best, and this is not a bad number by any means, but power play at 18.5%, PK doing good at just under 87%. So, you know, special teams defensively, they've looked good. They haven't needed the power play necessarily to win hockey games. I think that's the most important thing is they're doing well at five on five. Uh, Of course, they are 10 and one when scoring first one and three when uh, the first goal is scored against them. So you can tell the first marker of the game clearly important when they're out shooting their opponent. They played 10 games in which they've, led the margin in shots they've only lost one of them so and when they've been out shot again similar story one in three on the season so um 
over 500 in the three one goal games that they played um, looking very good home and away. And of course their neutral side's good. So pairwise points, points percentage wise, a seven, three, three, which you'll take any, any day of the week, as far as the pairwise is actually concerned on the women's side, the Huskies are in that very last spot uh, at 11 right now. Um, they are 11 and four on the season. Like I mentioned, uh, the polls coming into the weekend had them sitting at 10 Yale sitting at 11 and Quinnipiac at nine Duluth right ahead of them at eight. So kind of gives you an idea of where we were entering the weekend. Um, I mean, like we talked about too, I mean, goal differential, you know, looking good. I want to say, I think it's a 12. If, if I can do math correctly, I believe it's uh, sounds like, sounds like it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus 12. And you know, the margins it get better as the game goes on. Their best period is the third 15 to four is the margin. So, I mean, um, you know, more than, more than 100 shots positive in terms of their production overall on the season, a 2.6 goals for compare that to 2.3 in conference, a 1.13 goals against a 1.5 goals against in conference play. You'll take those numbers any day of the week. We talked about it, how, how that's going to probably even out very well. As far as statistical leaders, Clara Himmlerova still pacing the team. 12 points on the season. Katie Kaufman had 10 again, not a whole lot of change as far as point spread is concerned, just simply because, you know, there weren't a lot of goals scored, but I think the two that we've got to talk about, Nick, both netminders, you know, the quote unquote worse of the two netminders, which is wild to say that phrase. Um, <laughs> jo- Jojo Chobak has a 1.14 goals against and a 9.49 save percentage. Sonia Hola, a 9.61 save percentage and a 0.72 goals against average for an aggregate. 1.15 team average and a 945 save percentage over the course of the season. That's I mean that's a, there's no yes. there's no doubt about it. That's elite. Like I that that may be the best in the country. I'd be very curious. You know, you might have Ohio State or Wisconsin maybe just by proxy with how good they have been offensively, how they suffocate teams, but there's I would be shocked and I and I I'm sure I could probably dig around and see if I could find that statistical balance, but I mean, they've got to be top five in the country, I would think, you know, unless there's a team out east that is just rolling over opponents left and right. But I mean, certainly one of the best in the WCHA and the Huskies have two of them that they can rely on that they don't even have a true starter, so to speak, because of how good both of these ladies have played. No, they you're right, but you're also wrong. They do. They've got two of them. Honestly, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Um, Idelsky talked about this duo last season and how each one of them would be a starter anywhere else in the country. The fact that they've got two quality starting net miners that you know share the net, that share the responsibility, that push each other, that support each other. I suppose I suppose if I if I would have used my brain, we do have goaltending leaders. Sonny Ahola sits second in the country, by the way. Um, if you're talking about GAA. I, uh, Megan Warriner from Connecticut. She's played only five contests compared to seven for Sonia Hola. She has a 0.41 goals against and a 980. She's stopped 98 of 101 pucks that she's seen. But I mean, again, how good is UConn compared to the WCHA? Lucy Morgan of Minnesota is actually third. Haley McLeod of Duluth is fourth. So again, we talked about good goaltending in the WCHA. And Jojo Choback is uh, actually in seventh, but the margins, again, are pretty small. You look at a lot of these goaltenders, I mean, the top. Yeah, actually it is. The, exactly the top 20 are all netminders that have under a 2 GAA. So if you can be underneath that number, you're one of the best goalies in women's college hockey. If you can be closer to 1, you're probably the best or one of the best goaltenders in college hockey by, you know, you're at least a top 5 or top 10 netminder for sure. So um, certainly some good netminders, but I think, you know, you look at St. Cloud, um, as I can see on this list, they are the only team to have two players even remotely in the top 10. The next closest is Duluth has um, netminders at four and 12 respectively. So just gives you an idea that St. Cloud certainly hasn't had a lot of sleepless nights at the goaltending position and certainly haven't for, I would say a couple of years now, but I mean, this year, especially, I mean, historically, right. It's been goaltending. That's been, shall we say the backbone of St. Cloud state women's hockey. We go back to Jeannie Nolder, Emma Paluzny, just to name a couple. Right. Um, but at the end of it, when you've got now a complement of players in front of them that can do some great things in um, terms of offense, also a little bit different, but more efficient, maybe, you know, defensive type structure. 
um, it, it, it just it's a, it helps the betterment of the team. So, um, yeah, they're great. But let's not forget that the folks in front of them also are making their job a heck of a lot easier, too. Absolutely would agree. The last piece to kind of touch on here, of course, this women's hockey team is off next week. They have five hockey games until the holidays coming up at Christmas. Of course, they've got two weekend series. And like you mentioned, on Tuesday, December 5th, they do play the Gophers at home. They will actually be on the road their next upcoming weekend before three straight at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center to finish off the first half of the year. They play Ohio State in Ohio December 1st and 2nd, which that'll be an interesting series Curious to see how good that Buckeyes team truly is. Um, my mm-hmm. wager would be pretty darn good. Um, and then the Gophers, the Gophers right away on that Tuesday, the 5th. So this is actually kind of a challenging week and a half. They play Ohio State, come back. They're at home against the Gophers. Luckily, they don't have to travel down to Red Arena. But then they finish off in a very pivotal, very, very pivotal standings-wise series against Minnesota Duluth and the Bulldogs coming to town on the 8th and 9th. Um, times, of course, for... Uh, the Friday games are six o'clock, um, either Eastern or central, depending if you're at Ohio state or back home, but they're all six o'clock regardless of the time zone in which the game is being played and three o'clock on the Saturdays. So, and that Tuesday game will also be at six o'clock central time. So, um, that would be a, a great opportunity for fans to get a look at this hockey team. St. Cloud has been playing really well and three really good teams all in the top half or at least in fifth place at the worst they're all in the mix uh as far as uh groupings that are going to be facing the huskies in the next couple of weeks nick let's be realistic here ohio state pretty good hockey team similar to wisconsin um you know especially after the showing against wisconsin i think we'd still concur with the idea that the huskies will be disappointed if they didn't get points but this buckeyes team is pretty good so i mean the goal is to grab grab some points during the weekend at least let's kind of start back with that i know we're we're very high on this team too but you know be like hey we you know try to grab a win on the weekend if you can be 500 on the weekend that's a very good showing to start the gophers anybody's guess this team can very much beat minnesota they showed that when they were down at ritter arena they were right in a one goal hockey game for them uh and then duluth i feel like the huskies have a chance to take one if maybe not both against that bulldogs team it's not going to be easy it's not a favorable schedule in that week and a half what does st cloud have to prepare for and also, how do they approach the holidays? Of course, it is Thanksgiving, and they you know, also can use the rest and recuperation. So these types, you know, these times of the years are particularly challenging, right, Noah, because you, you have to take time off, right? You got to be able to, you know, reset, especially mentally, uh, to be ready for a very tough schedule coming up. As you mentioned, Ohio State, the Gophers, and then Duluth all in, what, a 10-day span, something like that. It's it's a lot of hockey to be played after going essentially in and out for the month of November. But here's a big difference. So when we played Wisconsin, right, and we were tied both times at the Herb, two times apiece, a um, couple empty netters here and there, but at the end of it, they were close games, and the Huskies were in those games. Um, the one stat that jumps out to me is Wisconsin has on the season total aggregate 84 goals scored. Ohio State only has 54. They've scored 30 less goals. So they're similar teams. They play similar structure. They've got all oozles of talent up front, but they're not as, shall we say, at least from what the statistics say, the most dangerous team in terms of actually putting the puck in the back of the net. So to me, it's similar to Wisconsin where I think you have to play in the exact same way. I think you have to be able to go on the attack. You have to control the puck. You have to have it on your stick. Um, Make sure you cycle in their zone. Anytime that you can wear them down and make them play defense, um, that takes away any opportunities they have on the opposite side of the rink. So, and at the end of the transition play, blue lines, right? We talk about having a good step up, um, forcing them to dump it and go chase it. Um, Efficient exits out of their zone. The playbook is the same. Um, and then I think if there's one thing for Idolski that you change between Wisconsin and Ohio State, just simplifying the offensive zone. When you do work a cycle, we're get it back up front. Make sure you get those pucks through and then get traffic there. We saw that in the second game with Wisconsin. Uh, just couldn't really buy a bounce here and there. And then just some unfortunate turns of the tide um, against the Huskies with some good, just simple Badgers plays. In fact, it was the same playbook. So that's how I would approach it. Um, you have to take time off now, enjoy the time with family and friends. But then as soon as those holidays are done, get ready to reset because uh, the hockey comes at you uh, quick and heavy. 
Yeah, and you'd like to obviously have, you know, those last five games be successful. You'd like to take at least three out of five. Four out of five would be really good. I think entering the holiday break, the Huskies have a chance to do it, but they've got to make sure this is an important stretch here. Things could swing very significantly one direction or another, depending on how you handle certain weekends and these uh, upcoming opponents here who Ohio State is probably going to be above the Huskies, but the Gophers and Duluth, they're right in the mix right now with this team. So certainly uh, um, some very premium points on the board. Moving over to the men's side here next, speaking of premium points on the board, I just sent you a text, by the way, of course, I saw that as we're as we're recording uh, Denver and Omaha getting ready for period number two. I, I don't know about you, Nick, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. And again, I've only been to Magnus Arena for one weekend, so, and it was years ago. I saw the pictures last night of, of course, the ice being tough. I don't know about you. Did, does the ice still not look like the greatest showing to me in this photo that I'm looking at on Twitter from DU's warm up picks? I mean, it's hard to tell because it doesn't look fantastic. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, maybe it's just because I'm a photography nerd. Um, you know, there's the angles are one thing, you, you know, at the end of it, if I wish we could see it up front and close, um, you know, the big thing that we saw was the crackling, right? It seemed like the ice wasn't chilling behind the, uh, behind the net as that's what I gathered. Yeah. Um, looking at what I see, it looks okay. I just, I just, I see a lot of skate marks and not to say it's not like that at a division one, but it's like, there's a lot more than what I think more you'd be accustomed to early. Be, right? Yeah. And Magnus Arena certainly is having an issue. It's been an unseasonably warm weekend for them um, as it has around a lot of the country. Um, and they're not really known for having ice issues. So this is something that I think is a little bit startling entering the weekend. And also what a difficult challenge for Omaha to have to stay the extra day and, you know, try to take care of business uh, it's zero zero after one of course so nobody really has an advantage so to speak which makes it a bit easier but you know it's you're not starting the game down three nothing necessarily but um yeah i mean any kind of further thoughts on what we no, see as far as no, ice? really i mean at the end of it if it was that bad you know they would do what they did again but it would be maybe is something that we're going to have to watch as the season rolls along because again these are sort of as you mentioned indications that either something more deep into whether it's the system itself um, or something with the ice has got to be addressed so you kind of wonder if this isn't like you know exactly the situation that Sanklot's trying to avoid with their own ice sheet. Uh, we'll have to keep tabs on it because um, usually these things aren't as isolated. Um, the Huskies men's know that <coughs> Fargo, <coughs> um, but same thing, right? At the end of it, you know, if it's good enough to play, they'll do it. Because unfortunately, with college hockey, with academics and everything, it's harder to reschedule those games. And unlike in years past, where they had built in some bye weeks for COVID-related reasons, they haven't done that or the past couple of uh, schedules so uh if it's good enough to play they'll probably do it but something to keep a watch on yeah and the attendance is obviously going to take a hit so it could be a money loss type thing too as well for that university so a lot of things to kind of keep an eye on i sent you another picture too this one's from a bit more up high again kind of really tough to tell i mean we're not there we're not in the building but you know something to kind of you know, food for thought at least uh, so to speak um of course denver did get underway on you know, Friday, like any other team did um, and, and played those hockey games. But before we get to that, why don't we take a look at some national scores here? Anything that sticks out? Well, um, there were a couple of games that certainly you want to pay attention to. Also, UMass beating Providence to start the weekend off on Thursday, which don't forget Providence did beat these Denver Pioneers earlier on in the season. Um, other games of note, the Big Ten had a lot of swing. First of all, uh, Wisconsin, um, very tough weekend to be a Badgers fan. In general, the men's team also swept by Michigan State, which was, you know, Michigan State kind of making a name for themselves over the course of last weekend. Michigan and Penn State trading victories as well, and so did Notre Dame and the Gophers. So um, the Big Ten is going to be very much, I feel like, a mixed bag. There's a lot of teams that, um, you know, I I say Wisconsin right now is probably the front runner. I think Michigan's still going to be pretty good, but really – I mean, it's kind of anyone's guess that two through five spot, there's going to be a lot of fluctuation, I think, in the Big Ten where, you know, is it going to be Michigan State that's going to have another good push this year? Are the Gophers going to kind of find their footing? Are the Wolverines going to continue to do what they've done in recent years and find success? There's a lot on the line there. CCHA-wise, Ferris State and Michigan Tech traded victories. Um, 
Bowling Green uh, did as well. The second one was a loss for Bowling Green in overtime. And Mankato and Bemidji State had one heck of a weekend, especially on Saturday. Mankato taking care. Depends on who you ask, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, taking care of business. Uh, taking care of business on Friday, and then uh, the final score on Saturday was Bemidji State seven, Mankato six. What a hockey game! Thirteen combined goals in that one. So, um, kind of interesting. Uh, hockey East wise, BU beating Maine um, in their single game set on Saturday. Um, so, a lot of really great hockey going on but we move to the nchc here nick north dakota taking care of business 6-4 on the first night miami a, a fairly decent showing against the fighting hawks in night number one. Second night it was 5-1 in favor of north dakota a really big save from ludwig pearson against his former team early on and that one sparked the fighting hawks to a pair of victories that they definitely needed uh western michigan beats colorado college 3-1 on the first night 4-0 on the second so i think this has maybe been not our biggest surprise necessarily, Nick, but, uh, you know, not Western Michigan winning hockey games, not that, but Colorado College is maybe struggling a little bit more than we anticipated out of the gate. We were kind of high on them like we were last season, and they've maybe been the team that's kind of had more of the maybe rockiest start compared to what we maybe expected. Yeah, but they're still sitting right where we thought they might be, which is right now they're in fifth. Um, how about Denver sitting fourth? Uh yeah, I would have called that uh, North Dakota. Yeah, we got that wrong. Um, <laughs> and and maybe it's Omaha, too, right, where, you know, we thought that they would take a step forward and they've uh, been really sh- struggling to find offense. Only 29 goals on the on the season so far. And that's overall. Uh, so that's something to keep keep a watch on. Um, but back to the Tigers. I mean, it, it's tough because we see the skill level that they have. The issue with CC is that they're very young in key positions, too. They had a lot of turnover. Um, you talk about losing Captain Brian Yoon, for example. They lost Hunter McCowan to the pros after last year, who's got, uh, for lack of better terms for Columbus, a cannon of a shot, no pun yeah. intended. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I try. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of it, you know, those are some key pieces that really kind of drove some of the offense as well as, you know, maybe uh, defensively to form. And, you know, Kaden Embarico. Really, really, really good. Um, they just haven't found their footing again. Three freshmen in the defensive top six, um, all top scorers in the U show last year. Um, they're still in transition. So I'm still not quite sold that they're as underperforming as maybe we want to think. Um, but it will definitely be something to see in the second half. Um, again, they really started to surge in the second half last year. Um, I think that's where they'll make another push. Obviously, with Chris Mayotte, they'd like to see it start you know, sooner rather than later. But I still think they have enough talent to start winning some hockey games. But uh, shall we say a lot of these players are getting their first dip into NCHC play, um, which is, uh, shall we say, unforgiving at times. And I think they're still learning as they go. Yeah, absolutely would agree. Uh, of course, Denver, like you mentioned, they played Omaha on Friday. 8-4 was the final score in that one. Uh, the Piles do take care of business. And of course, the continuation of the game from yesterday, 0-0 after the first period, we're tracking that one as best we can. It's kind of hard, of course, to, to, to try to get some of the score bugs up, but we have sidearm up and following on social media to see if we can garner anything else. As far as our St. Cloud State Huskies, um, a couple of victories that have them in a fairly decent spot as far as conference play is concerned. Eight and four now on the season, a pair of one goal victories. The first one on the first night was not a Minnesota Duluth showing by any means compared nope. to the score bug from what we've seen uh, previously. St. Cloud does win this one two to one out shooting the Bulldogs 28 to 20. It was 10, seven in the first nine, eight in period number two and nine, five, a good push to the finish for the Huskies in that one. St. Cloud, the better in the faceoff dot, 32 for 55, uh, just over 58% for them. Scoring did not get started until period number two and very late into the second period. Jack Ryman, his first uh, from Adam Ingram, very nice goal for the Huskies to get on the board and I think get some momentum entering the third. Uh, Duluth does get one back, though, on the power play. Matthew Perkins from Aaron Pionk and Connor McMenamin uh, at the 10-23 mark and there's no doubt both of these teams were absolutely in one. St. Cloud escapes in regulation, though. Joey Molinar continues his hot streak. Seven goals on the season. Mason Salquist from Kyler Kupka with uh, uh, just over a couple minutes remaining in this one for the Huskies to take the victory. Dominic Bassey stopping 19 of 20, which would be a 950, I think, on the nose if math 
quick mental math serves me correct. Um, and then Matthew Thiessen, uh, 26 of 28. So, I mean, you know, if you're the Huskies, you have to feel good about this victory. I think that Duluth is certainly a wild card. They've had some up and down games. Uh, again, I think St. Cloud has done a really good job in conference play. Granted, they're doing very well overall, but they're setting themselves up for success by taking care of business on Friday nights. And I don't know that Friday has necessarily been their better showing of the two. It kind of depends on the weekend, but they're able to kind of navigate some of these closer hockey games on Friday, which they weren't doing earlier on in the non-conference portion of the schedule kind of alleviate some pressure knowing that regardless you're going to get out of the weekend at least 500 at worst if you get that Friday victory Huskies take care of business 2-1 on Friday night Nick they do and I think the big thing with uh this hockey squad is you're noticing more just sticking to the game plan right um you know we've talked about this with Brett Larson in years past and how you know regardless of what the record amounted to there's been conversations that I've had with him that said hey our record is good, but, you know, there were times where we didn't really follow our game. You know, we kind of got away from it. We started chasing and they were the beneficiaries of a bounce or two or maybe, you know, just some skill plays that got them a victory. Whereas really this season uh, they got, as we talked about before, they got kicked in the teeth early, right, with that non-conference schedule. Um, and I think now the consistency is starting to come through. Um, and let's be honest. I mean, again, Duluth on paper has struggled, right? This is a rivalry game. Duluth came into this weekend, they are a desperate hockey team. This team put it all in the out there. One thing you forgot to mention was essentially after regulation, Luke Lowell a major cross check. In fact, he yeah. was suspended for Saturday's game. So don't tell me these emotions were high. So I think it's even more impressive considering that coming into this weekend, St. Cloud, again, as you mentioned, Fridays have been good. I think, you know, and again, when you're, trying to create that consistency you have to start off right you have to have the mentality i want to get things going right away uh duluth never backed down uh so you got to give them credit there but um this rivalry's always been heavy it's been physical it's been emotional um and i think if there's one thing we have to credit st cloud for on both nights and we'll talk about saturday here in just a minute is they didn't let the emotions overflow into what they needed to do on the ice uh certainly there's going to be moments in the games where you know it can rise to the moment where you know Pushing and shoving occurs or whatnot, but I think St. Cloud handled the emotional roller coaster really well this weekend. And despite the fact they got two wins, I think they also learned a little bit, especially the young kids, about how you know you have to be able to temper the emotions and and keep an even keel throughout these matchups because again, these are crucial points, and they're going to run into teams like UMD um, that are essentially playing for their hockey lives right now and be able to overcome that. Yeah, and of course, don't forget, Grant Sean had a five-minute major in this one as well, too. But yeah, like you mentioned, Luke Lohite has his one at the end of regulation. And, you know, of course, don't forget Blake Biondi, Barrett Hall at the end of, you know, the game as well, too. They, of course, had that altercation at the end of the game, too. So um, yeah. things did get chippy at the end of that one, like you mentioned. Both teams had five power play opportunities. Duluth, the only one to tally in that first night. Second night, it uh, um, it was actually the Huskies that were more penalized, uh, Um if you're Duluth, you go one for four on the power play. The Huskies go one for two on their opportunities. Of course, Joey Molinar was the one who had a cross-checking minor just early into the middle frame, a five and a ten for him. Other than that, pretty routine as far as most of the calls you know, coming out of that hockey game. Attendance sitting around 3,700 to 4,200 over the course of the weekend for both nights. Uh, the Huskies in night number two, they win 6-5. And you know the box score kind of fluctuated in and out where it was, you know, you thought the Huskies were going to be in control at various points, especially um, in the early stages of period number three. And credit Duluth, they fought back. And this was very much a 2023-2024 a Duluth hockey game, high scoring, you know, back and forth, fire wagon hockey shots, 39, 34. Uh, if you want to pay attention, I mean, it's 73 combined shots between the clubs. Um, 16, 11 for the Huskies in period number one, 14, 12 in the second. And then 11, nine, the Bulldogs actually outshoot St. Cloud one for four for Duluth on the power play one for two for the Huskies. Um, despite all of the, the penalties that kind of uh, work themselves out with that cross-checking major, um, penalty for Joey Molinar. Uh, scoring got started less than two minutes in, though. Jack Rogers unassisted his second of the season. Uh, Duluth gets one back on the power play. Blake Biondi just before the nine-minute mark. And then uh, a pair of goals, one from each team uh, in the dying stages of the first period. Vieti Mietnin on the man advantage. His eighth of the season continues his hot play um, as a goal scorer. Dylan Anhorn and Adam Ingram 
tally assists on that one. And then Anthony Megney um, with a second remaining. This one was a bit of a dagger to tie this hockey game up heading into period number two, Nick. It's always, you always kind of say if you give up goals in the first minute or last minute of a period, they can certainly swing, you know, the tides one way or the other. Well, how about the last second of period number one? St. Cloud responded well, though. Uh, they get the next goal uh, one each way for each team in the second period. Had us deadlocked getting ready for period number three. It was Tyson Gross, his first of the season, uh, first as a Husky. That was. And on that assist, what happened? Well, I mean, Zach Okabe with the assist at 1038. Nick, why don't you enlighten the listeners? He joins the 100-point club with the Huskies in his career. So congratulations, Zach. Uh, Again, it was Brett Larson here on the show that announced his return to St. Cloud for his fifth year. So we always appreciate Brett coming on and uh, here and there and talking shop with us. And um, for Zach, I mean, we've always been um, enamored with his game and uh, happy to see him break that 100-point mark because he's so well-deserving. He works his his rear end off and good to see him get rewarded on that uh, goal by Tyson Gross. Yeah, absolutely. And good to see, you know, for it to come on Tyson Gross's first as a Husky, too. I think that's all, all the more special, too. You know, it was meaningful beyond that. There's only one problem, Nick. Mm. Who who gets the puck? I'm guessing Tyson Gross. Yeah, he does. You know, so <laughs> that's the only challenge there. But nonetheless, um, the Bulldogs get one back again with under a minute to play in the period. So, again, we're tied entering period number three. The Huskies have a little bit of magic of their own. Uh, 39 seconds into the third they they're off and running and within four minutes they are up by two Kyler Kupka from Tyson Gross and Vietti Metin a multi-goal game for him his ninth of the season Zach Okabe another assist for him and Dylan Anhorn um, Bulldogs get one back right before the 10 minute mark so they're within one Adam Ingram opens the scoring back up again his third of the season Josh Lidke and Dylan Anhorn a multi-assist period for him in period number three and then with the extra attacker the Bulldogs get one back to make it a one score game. And that was all she wrote a lot of scoring at the beginning and ends of periods. Um, I guess in the middle too, if you want to be technical, there was just a lot of goals, 11 combined, of course, between the two teams, the Huskies exactly 60% on the faceoff dot much better on the men's side, 36 for 60 for them. As far as faceoff success, uh, net mining wise, uh, Dominic Bassey, um, stopping 29 saves for him over the course of, uh, facing 34 total shots. Nick, this was this was an interesting one. You know, a high-scoring game, really kind of anyone's guess how this one was going to end up. Uh, a lot of guys that are relied on a little bit more, at least to start in the season now, starting to emerge as the guys to be depended on for St. Cloud. They got the job done. They get the victory. You certainly don't want to give up five goals, but back and forth games, some hockey games end up like this. And if you're a Huskies fan, do you go home happy on the weekend? Yes, you get all the points that you need in regulation, but do you still go home happy or do you still kind of look at this and say, ooh, there's some things that we escaped at this time, but we still need to be better at? Both, right? I think you have to be happy with um, anytime you can get a conference win, uh, the way things are shaping up, you're going to be right in the middle with uh, North Dakota, uh, number one, and also Denver, uh, number two. Uh, buying for that top spot. Uh, it seems like we're going to have a very, shall we say, top-heavy NCHC uh, conference this year. At least that's the way things are shaping up right now. Um, other thing, Noah Bo, is, yeah, um, those goals at beginning and end of periods, especially the ones against, those stink. Um, Joey Molinar also on Saturday, again, a, a cross-check, a game misconduct. Um, so the Huskies had to battle through some, some penalty woes. Um, so at the end of it, it's easier... When we and we had this conversation four weeks ago, right when the Huskies couldn't buy a bounce, we were talking about how right before when they played, I'm trying to remember um, who their opponent was. But we said, okay, they didn't win these games, but we we see the process here, right? Um, and it doesn't feel the same, but you can see they're playing the right way. Now we're on the opposite side of the coin, right? Where we're getting the wins. But certainly you want to clean up the penalty trouble. You certainly would like to help out your goaltender a little bit. Uh, giving up five, it normally isn't a, a recipe for success, right? So I think the Huskies would rather uh, try to keep that goals against down a little bit. Um, but at the end of it, you know, you, you have to be feeling good about the result. Uh, again, this is a rivalry matchup, as we talked about before. Uh, UMD now, I think, is now, what, 0-5-1 in their past six, going back to that technical tie with the Gophers. Yeah, they're, uh, actually, uh, they're actually in seventh place in the NCHC. So for as bad as we were with North Dakota, 
I mean, we were dead on with them, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and, and and granted, you know, this it's still early, still technically, but you know, I would imagine UMD has got uh, a five alarm fire. Uh, ringing in uh, and up at uh, Amsoil Arena right now, which is, you know, you it actually you hate to see it. Honestly, um, this rivalry is one of the best in college hockey when both these teams are playing at an elite level, and I still think they can do that. Uh, but UMD's gonna have to turn around that ball pretty quick, or else. Uh, well, yeah. Well, you think about the difference. If Duluth is on the other side in regulation of these one-goal contests, they're actually probably vaulting Colorado College, and they would be in yep. fifth in the NCHC. I mean, it makes a big difference. Speaking of NCHC standings, Miami is in last. Unfortunately, they have not won a hockey game in the sixth. They've played in conference um, for them, so they are uh, in eighth. Duluth 0-4. They're in seventh. Those are the two teams that have yet to get any sort of points or victories in the NCHC Omaha who's playing right now they're one and two they sit in sixth um, and then Colorado College a full four points away from them right now at pending results of today's game uh, they're two and four on the season that rounds out the teams on the outside looking in not three points away from them in fourth right now are the Denver Pioneers who are also playing right now at this particular time They've got nine points on the season. Western Michigan right ahead of them in 10. So uh, if you want to be technical, Omaha really can't move after today's result. Denver could move into third, which which could be the only change. Western Michigan occupies that spot right now. Uh, North Dakota unbeaten in all four that they've played. Uh, North Dakota and St. Cloud, the only two teams that have yet to lose in conference play. 12 points for the Fighting Hawks, 18 for St. Cloud State. Um, you know, depending on the non-conference schedule, and certainly a lot of things can happen. St. Cloud learned that last year where they were in the mix for first place and then they suddenly weren't very quickly. You'll take 6-0 and and 18 points to start off your conference play, though. It's certainly a very good look for the Huskies uh, as they move into the middle half of their season. Of course, they will have non-conference action coming up before a week off. So they play the Michigan Wolverines over this upcoming holiday weekend. They will be off the following weekend before playing Omaha to round out the first half of their season. And then Bemidji State will open up their last non-conference slate before NCHC action in the calendar year of 2024. Nick, some team stats as we normally do. Huskies 7-3 and three when scoring first. Uh, they've only had two games where the opponent has gotten on the board first so again a good sign from both squads that the huskies score first um st cloud 500 when they give up the first goal one and one uh five and two now in one goal contest so st cloud in conference play doing much better i mean really a tale of two months so to speak for them uh to be able to kind of flip the script a little bit much better showings for them 20 percent on the power play certainly serviceable penalty kill 84 percent not terrible you know not the greatest but not terrible um but the huskies taking care of business 37 29 is the score margin out shooting their opponent by um exactly 50 and uh yeah giving up you know two point Four two overall in the season as far as goals against, but only one point six seven in conference. So their conference play again, as we've alluded to, has been much better than their non conference play, so to speak. Uh, entering the weekend, they were at nineteen in the USCHO polls. After this weekend, right now they currently sit at twelve in the pairwise. Team leaders Vieti Mietnin with thirteen points in the season, nine goals will. Probably be the first to hit double digits in the scoring mark. Next closest goal scorer is Joey Molinar with seven. He's got eight points on the year. Dylan Anhorn from the back end, 12 points. Adam Ingram has 11. Kyler Kupka with nine. So a lot of production coming from this St. Cloud group. They have a very hungry Michigan team that is looking to kind of right the ship after a tough loss against Penn State, Nick. What does St. Cloud take away from the weekend, and how do they prepare for the upcoming holiday challenge? I think what you take away is, you know, uh, you, you you got through the, shall we say, the choppy seas a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you get through something like that, you know, as we mentioned before, there's some mess to clean up. You know, the decks are, they're a little bit, uh, shall we say, dirty. There's water around. You got to clean some things up. Um, but you got to be happy with the production you're getting throughout your lineup. Again, we talk about the guys that have hit the score sheet, such as Dylan Anhorn, again, three assists night on Saturday. Um, Vidim Yetin continues to find the back of the net, but you're seeing guys emerge, uh, right? So like Tyson Gross getting his first. Uh, Barrett Hall has been a little bit quiet since, uh, shall we say, the first couple of weeks of the season, but he's still got the capabilities. Jack Rogers found one this weekend. Uh, so you're seeing contributions up and down the lineup, and I think that's got to feel good going into a Michigan squad that, um, last I checked, 
is okay with their talent level. Is that right? <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, you know, yeah. but but that's going to be the key, right, is defensively. And I think you're going to look at Saturday's tape and you're going to have a lot that you're going to want to clean up in a pretty short amount of time because Michigan can A, skate. Uh, yeah. Two, they can make really a good plays very quickly. They can move the puck around one of the best in the country at doing so. Um, so you're going to have to find a way to shall we say, take a page out of Brian Adelski's book a little bit and be really stout defensively. Um, And then also more so um, just be really good game managers with the puck on offense, right? We talked about it uh, before. We're going to have to work that cycle. If you can work the Michigan D down low um, and and just cycle and, you know, just essentially establish a four check, I think that's the recipe for success. Uh, No, I'm curious as to your thoughts, but to me, that's how you have to beat Michigan is you have to take their greatest weapon away from them. And that's just having the puck on your stick and controlling the offensive zone. Well, continue to be the aggressor too. I think you look at the two non-conference games that the Huskies end up losing one, you know, they lose a couple in overtime, but that first night in Mankato, right? They get out to a two nothing lead. They drop that contest. Otherwise the Huskies, when jumping out to leads in conference play have looked really good non-conference play eh, a little bit more shaky. So this Wolverines team is going to be very good. I think St. Cloud has to stick to the same MO though. I mean, you're, you put yourself in a much better position, quite obviously, if you get the first goal of the hockey game, Michigan's going to be no different. It'll be an interesting test for this Husky squad to see if they really have put things together. And it'll be a great comparison against a big 10 team as well too, to see kind of how that parody is, is shaking out. Um, I'm excited for it. It should be a good matchup. It's been, in fact, I would wonder, um, and maybe I could maybe pull this up very quickly because um, it would be interesting to note, and I'm sure it is on the website, so I'm trying to get to my links very quickly if I can. Taking a look at the schedule for the Huskies, I want to know the last time St. Cloud has actually played Michigan. I'm going to guess it's probably been a hot minute. Let's see if we have any history here. I can, yeah. it's. I don't know if it's as long as we think it is. Let's see history here. Let's take let's, a look. They've only they've only played uh, twice actually. Wow. Um, okay. The, the last time, uh, Nick, it's been a hot minute. It has been okay. <laughs> um, how about uh, March twenty second of two thousand and two? Um, is oh, the last for me, that time was just yesterday. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Huskies have actually never beaten the Wolverines. By the way, they played uh, mm-hmm. on March twenty fifth of two thousand one. Both of them neutral sites. So my guess is it probably is some sort of maybe potential tournament time, just looking at the dates. Um, of course, that I would have to be it. Of yeah. course, I was like, I was like March, five 20, March 22nd would absolutely be in March 25th. Those are absolutely NCAA playoff type games. So yeah. And the location says neutral site. I um, and the Huskies, like I said, they've never won four, three and four, two are the losses. Um, both of those actually being in Michigan, by the way, for the neutral site. So neutral site by proxy. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, I was like five and six. So of course I, kind of hard to remember that one but uh huskies definitely need it it's not going to count for conference wise but certainly some maybe potential big shufflings in the pairwise um only yep. other only other things that we're going to miss entering of course next week we are not going to have a show next week women are off men will play so we'll recap the men's games the following week the women will be off the following week when we do have a show so we won't have a recap um as far as all right excuse me the men will be off that upcoming week so we'll have a recap of this upcoming weekend for the men, but they won't have play the following weekend. Women's team will be the opposite. They do not play this weekend. They will play the upcoming weekend preparing for Ohio state and then Minnesota and Duluth to finish out their first half. And only the thing we have to touch on from previous weeks is that Denver is now down one, nothing against Omaha early on into period number two in the continuation of that hockey game. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that as well. So Nick, uh, kind of parting thoughts here against uh, a team that the Huskies have not seen in over two decades. Well, it's obviously, you know, it's a different breed as we talked about before. Um, they are a high flying, high skilled team um, that will make you pay for any sort of puck management errors. Um, they're really good in transition. They skate really well, as we mentioned before. Uh, so it, it's going to be all about, you know, just being smart with the puck. Uh, and at the end of the day, as you mentioned, being the aggressor um, and almost slowing things down a little bit, um, and clogging up the neutral zone. Um, we know that St. Cloud can do it. Um, the question is, with some of the youth at the center position, the one question mark I have is on the faceoff dot. As you mentioned, it's been kind of a struggle. Uh, but can the Huskies find a way to start 
a play after a whistle with possession. Um, I, I think, you know, as we talk about in certain instances where that has a little bit more of an impact, I think in a game like this, it does, uh, just considering what you're going up against. Uh, so it's going to be a great test, as you mentioned. I, I think if the Huskies end up getting out of Ann Arbor with a split, I think they would be very, very happy with that. Um, if you can get two out of Michigan, Wolf. Um, shall we say with some of the Big Ten, you know, roller coaster ride, I think it will put them in a really good spot pairwise position. Um, but you got to be, like I said, you got to be on top. You got to be playing on your toes. If you get on your heels against the Wolverines, you're, as I say in the old memes, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely well said. Um, Nick, this one actually is at home, by the way, too. You mentioned Ann Arbor. This one is actually here. Is that, so. is that home? Yeah, so so it's actually here, six thirty Central Time My on goodness. that Friday, five o'clock um, on the twenty fifth of Saturday. So, and then um, St. Cloud finishes off the first half of their schedule on the road against Omaha in Baxter Arena. Women's hockey, of course, they'll travel to Ohio State after a week off this upcoming weekend uh, before being at home against the Gophers and Duluth to round out their first half of the college hockey season. Should be a lot of good hockey, of course. This. This Michigan team, very good in the past couple of years. They're certainly well-traveled when they you know, decide to actually you know, come to the location they're supposed to be playing the hockey game at. Um, anyhow, I digress. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, it, it'll be a good hockey game. It's been, you know, it's, it, it's been 21 years, 22 years since whatever it's been, over two decades since uh, these two teams have met. It's certainly an intriguing matchup. It's kind of wild it's been that long, uh, considering how good some of these Big Ten franchises are have been so to speak so it'll be a very fun very unique holiday weekend and uh, of course we'll be off the upcoming week but in episode 189 in two weeks we will definitely be recapping uh this weekend on the men's side and of course the ohio, the ohio state games the following week on the women's side a lot to keep track of but we'll be here at the huskies warming house podcast to recap it all for nick maxson i'm Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.